Well, greetings, listeners and listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from the Gateway City and also delve into national and international interests. If any of you have been to the Black Rep, you know that it is a marvelous season currently going on, and one of the shows that's being premiered actually is Jitney right now. It is from August Wilson, and we're going to be talking to the lead actor, Kevin Brown. Kevin, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Arnie, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. We're glad to have you here. Now, I want to give a little background on Kevin, and then we're going to delve into his background. Ah. Uh, He is making his St. Louis Black Rep Company debut with the August Wilson Jitney. He also, through the Pittsburgh Playwrights Theater, has successfully completed seven of the ten August Wilson plays in the cycle. He is a theater and has theater and film credits. He also has seven Onyx Awards and two People's Choice Awards from the African American Council of the Arts. You are, and we were talking before the show. You've also got a little opera background. We're going to delve into that too. <laughs> from your bio, it says that you are a native of the Hill District in Pittsburgh. That is correct. Now, describe the Hill District in Pittsburgh for us in St. Louis here. The Hill District is a multicultural area located very close to downtown Pittsburgh. It's broken up into three different sections. You have the Lower Hill, you have the Middle Hill, and the Upper Hill. And um, it had a, a very large concentration of Italians and Polish, and there still is. They call it Polish Hill. Don't have as many Italians as we used to. There's a small Asian population, and there used to be a very large Haitian population that has become much smaller. And it's uh, grown to be primarily an African-American neighborhood. And it was redlined because of that distinction. You couldn't get uh, a cab. You couldn't get certain goods or services in that area. So we had to, the people in that neighborhood had to be self-sufficient and and do it themselves. There is a very good documentary called Wiley Avenue Days. If you want to get a little deeper into the history of the Hill District, we had seven pharmacies and we had supermarkets and uh, department stores, doctors, lawyers. And then with integration, they gave all that up to melt into the populace, and it became, after the riots, it became a, a slum. And we don't even, to this day, have a, a business corridor. There's not even a supermarket. You have to go outside the neighborhood to even find a supermarket to buy your groceries. So the Jitney became a very viable portion or part of the community, a, a big service, necessary service for those who didn't have automobiles to get back and forth there were the jitney drivers. And to talk about what a jitney is, because people, they might not be familiar with the jitney. Most people would consider a jitney to be an illegal cab. It's like myself or you who live in a neighborhood and you wanted to make some extra money and you would go to the uh, station, you would pay your dues and to jitney station, they're still, they're still around. They pay like $35 a month and they get access to cable, uh, a key, and also goes to help to pay the phone bill. And it's just average guys and ladies 
who are there to provide a service to those who don't have cars. You'll see Jitney drivers lined up very uniformly at the supermarket for people who don't have a way to get their groceries from the grocery store to their home. So Jitney drivers are very valuable. Cab drivers don't like them. Uber drivers and Lyft drivers don't like them, uh, even though they were the precursor right. before right. Uber and Lyft. Exactly. You can get a Jitney. So I have a Jitney station right around the corner uh, from my house, and I had an issue with my car, and I needed to go and pick up my car, and I haven't been on a bus or use a Uber or Lyft, so I went to the Jitney station to get a ride to the service station to get my car. So it, it was uh, very convenient, and it's it's great to have. Now we're gonna I'm gonna make the leap to Jitney in a moment, but okay. you said something that I've heard before from many people we've interviewed, is that when integration happens. Mm-hmm. Many times it destroys historic black neighborhoods. Indeed. And why does that happen, in your opinion? And as good as integration is for our society, it has also had a, what I would call, this is my words now, folks, it, would, it, it also has a negative outcome or mm-hmm. an unintended outcome mm-hmm. would probably be a better way to describe mm-hmm. it. You know, um, in America... The Constitution, which governs the land, it wasn't written for the African. We were considered to be three-fifths of human beings. We were like chickens or cattle. What was written to to govern the country didn't include us. So we had to be self-sufficient and find ways to do things for ourselves. And integration, when it came about, they destroyed institutions that black people had built already to sustain themselves. So now you want to be integrated. You want to be a teacher. Maybe you don't meet the criteria for being a teacher in the segregated world. Doctors or dentists had difficulty times, trying, difficulties right. trying to have a practice. Right. So it, it put a lot of people out of business. In, in the black community, there's a saying that if you're black, get back. If you're brown, you'll get down. If you're yellow, it's mellow. If you're white, you're all right. And there's this insistence to do things that Europeanism, August Wilson always thought that black people should have stayed in the South. We should have never tried to migrate. We were forcefully forcefully migrated to this country, and then we migrated to the north, and we became black white people. Mm. We, in his play, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, the theme of that play is that black people have forgotten who they are. I don't know if you, with your, with your ethnic background, your nationality. Yeah, you would German and Swedish. German ask me what mine is, I couldn't tell you. Most black people cannot. So we identify as a color. I would like to say I'm from Nigeria, I'm from Lagos or or, or somewhere on the continent. I don't know that, not unless I do or have a DNA test run. But we we don't have that. So we're like a lost breed of people still searching to find our footing in this country. So integration did not help. There there were some pluses. There were some pluses, but we lost a lot through integration. I agree. And being segregated, um, you know, separate but equal. We were separate, but it it wasn't equal. But at least we were able to employ ourselves. We were able to feed ourselves and able to educate ourselves and and stand on our own. But there was a desire from the black community to be embraced, to be a part of the larger culture. So it hurt in terms of economic stress. I think that's a great explanation because as you look at like brown v board of education and what happened mm. and 
many schools benefited, many mm-hmm. black schools benefited from mm-hmm. Brown v. Board, but many did not. Exactly. And like you said, there are many historic black communities that were, they were, they managed themselves. They mm-hmm. had stores. They had mm-hmm. doctors and lawyers. They existed. North Webster, here, where we are right now, was a community like that. Mm-hmm. And then when integration happened, North Webster was incorporated into Webster Groves, things changed. Mm-hmm. Businesses went out of business. People moved. Exactly. And legislation came in and, oh, gee, we have to clear this area now because we need a a big store here, or, or we need industrial areas, exactly. things like that. The same thing happened in the Hill District. The Hill District ran all the way downtown mm. to one street called Grant Street. Mm-hmm. And the speaking about the opera, the Pit- Pittsburgh Opera Theater wanted to have a special place to perform operas. So they built what they called the Civic Arena. It was one of the first globe-shaped facilities where the, the top would open up. It opened mm. up. It cost a lot of money to open it up. So to build, in order to build that, they had to displace hundreds of thousands of Hill District residents to to build that 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 facility. They have since torn it down, and wow. now they're in the process with the Pittsburgh Penguins developing that section. It's going to be beautiful. I just hope that it carries from Grant Street all the way through the Hill District and doesn't stop at a certain point so that we can benefit from some of those dollars that that new construction would generate. Now talk about this role that you play in Jitney. You are playing Becker. That is correct. Yeah, Becker is a man of vision, a man who migrated from the South to come up North for better opportunity. Some of the jobs that were available to some black men were Pullman Porter jobs. Women were domesticated workers cleaning homes of white folks, which my mother did. Uh, The mill was a big draw Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of people to come to Pittsburgh to work at the mill. And he worked at the mill for 27 years. But in addition to that, he wanted to provide a service for the community. Therein lies being a Jitney driver and operating his own station. He struggled, he and his wife, to have a child. They were successful in having that one child. He invested everything in his son. That was his life. And what what most parents do, we always want our children to live better than we did. We want them to be more successful. And that was Becker's mantra. He wanted his son to do much better than he did. And without giving too much away, he wasn't happy with some of the decisions that his son made. And as a result of that, he felt shame. He felt embarrassment and a lot of things that caused friction between he and his son. So it's a story about father and son. It's a story about community. It's a story about what it means to be a man and how do men produce other men? What kind of examples do we set? for the next generation of men. What does it mean to be a man, Mm. okay? And these are the things that it it, it touches on at this Jitney station. And one of the beautiful things about August Wilson and about playwriting is that everything happens in one location. Right. And it's all in the Jitney station. It's a beautiful story, Uh, Arnold. uh, You... Are you? Have you been? Uh, no. We have not been yet. Okay, no, we didn't okay. go last night. Last night was the opening. Uh, tonight's opening. Oh, tonight's opening. Mm-hmm. Okay. We right. previewed yesterday Preview. That's and what uh, the day before. May 11th through May 29th at the right. Edison Theater at Washington University. Mm-hmm. And your tickets, you can't get them online. You have to get them at the box office now, I understand. Is that correct, Brian? You can get them online. 
Oh, you can get them online. Okay. I went there to, I clicked the button and it's like, can't get them here. So get your tickets online and you can go to the black rep and find that completely. Did you ever meet August Wilson? I did. I did. Arnold, he had a very, very good friend named Rob Penny. Rob Penny passed away. And August, of course, attended the funeral. Catholic Church, St. Benedict the Moor. I'm sitting on the right side of the church in the last pew. August is sitting on the left side of the church on the left side. I kept looking and I kept looking. And you know how it is. You could feel somebody looking at you. Yeah, yeah. And he kept looking at me. And then as they brought the body out at the end of the service, they went from the very beginning. So he and I, were the last people to leave. He reached out, took my hand. How you doing, brother? Is what he said. And he died shortly afterwards. But that is my August Wilson's meeting story. Wow. It did, was a, did he know you? No, he didn't know me from a can of paint. Um, <laughs> you know, no, he I didn't know me. <laughs> Not at all. His friend, Rob Penny, I had uh performed a lot of his shows, and they started out as poets together, and they started an organization called Black Horizon Theater, and I sat on the board of that theater, but it's called New Horizon Theater because someone took the name after the theater disbanded. It's on QED. Uh, that's a local station. Right. Public, public station. station. yeah. Right. And with Mr. Rogers and the whole right, bit right. there, who's from Pittsburgh. Uh, so they named it uh, New Horizon Theater, which I sat on the board for several years. But, yeah, I met August. I wasn't really into theater at the time when he was around really? and doing things. No, not at all. I was in a you ba- get- Go ahead. I was in a band. And, What'd you play uh, or did you sing? Or? I, my axe was my voice. I just sang. And uh, it was a three-member group called Jasmine. Matter of fact, it was started by my high school music teacher. I just come back from California, and I ran into her at the supermarket. She says, what are you doing these days, kid? And I said, I just got back to Pittsburgh. She said, I want to start a group. I want you in it. And we did. We were doing private parties, parties for Dr. Starzl, and big names making really good money. And then so Someone came to see us, and they said, we are starting, we need board members to make a quorum, and you can. we need you to perform and also sit on our board. I said, okay, I'll do it, and that's how it happened. And then I met Dr. Lilly from the University of Pittsburgh. She had a theater company called Contu Repertory Theater, and their whole approach was creating um, theater through the Yorba tradition. And uh, so I got with her, and it, it just took off from there. And I started working for non-black theaters, and she got mad. <laughs> she would say she had a Texas accent because that's where she's from, but it was very proper. She said, oh, you're the darling of the white theater. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I haven't left. I'm still here. I'm just trying to broaden my scope. Right, right. So, yeah, it's been like 20, 20 odd years now that I've been doing this and loving the process and love telling stories from the stage. So it wasn't something that you had this bug that you saw some actor or actress up there and like, man, I want to do that. Well, you know what, Arn, Arnold, yes. Do you remember the Donna Reed show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're dating ourselves. <laughs> yes, yes, man. Brian won't remember No, that. Brian wouldn't know. And one of the guys who played Donna Reed's son was in Pittsburgh. And I wanted to perform. And after he told my parents what it would cost for headshots and everything, we got seven kids. They said, yeah. no, I'm sorry. You know, here's a basketball. Right. 
do that. Right. But uh, yeah, it, there's a chip in my head that always wanted to do that. Very interesting. Indeed. So we're going to continue this conversation. We're having a conversation with Kevin Brown. He is starring in the August Wilson play Jitney, which is at the Black Rep from now until May the 29th at the Edison Theater at Washington University in St. Louis. And we're going to come back and talk with him. I'm going to give him some prompts here. We're going to talk about his opera career. <laughs> I want to delve into his his performances in uh, Grahamstown or Makanda, South Africa. Oh, my goodness. See, yes. so I, bl- I blew him away there. He wasn't expecting I that one. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. I've done my homework. It took me a little bit of time to do my homework oh, on you. I, see. I couldn't find you on the Internet. See? You, 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 you've got a low profile, man. I, I, I've got to do something about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not real savvy in, in that area Well, maybe, maybe you're savvy enough because you, sometimes you don't want to be out there oh. like that. Well, I've got some friends who are doing exceptionally well, and I've got six grand kings and three grand queens. Okay. And my youngest grand king, he wants to be an actor. He just did a movie about Bayard Rustin, and he was Googling some of my friends. He said, Poppy, he's a celebrity. I didn't know he was a celebrity. I said, Google me. <laughs> so yeah. maybe he had the same problem you had. You know, I'm not a celebrity, but my friends are. So we'll come back on our next segment, and we will get the answers to those questions. Right back after this, you're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. St. Louis in Tune strives to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Our topics cover a wide range, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and even sports. And that's just to name a few. While St. Louis in Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and like and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform, that's stlintune.com. STL intune.com and if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com that's stlintune at gmail.com st louis in tune heard monday through friday on the u.s radio network.com and many great radio stations around the u.s and of course right here in st louis our website again is stl Intune.com. We want to hear from you. STLintune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. Mark is on assignment today. We are having a conversation with Kevin Brown. He's starring as Becker in the August Wilson play Jitney, which is appearing at the Edison Theater at Washington University from now until May 29th through the Black Rep. So, folks, get there to see that. And before our break, I ask Kevin quite a few questions here. (laughs) So so let's go back. Let's go to to your operatic career. Because you were in the, I wrote this down, the, you performed for the Pittsburgh Opera Theater. Yeah. So you have, are you a tenor, baritone? 
I am a baritone. Okay. The older I get, it, it becomes a baritone. That's I started correct. out as a tenor. And I performed uh, three shows, three or four shows with the Pittsburgh Opera Theater. And then we uh, went on tour just down to Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful theater down there. They had just built. Can't even remember the name of the shows I did with them. Shame on me. But yeah, I've done uh, three or four shows with the Pittsburgh Opera Theater. And you got into that opera because of the group, the trio that you were No, I got into it because of a contest that they had. Really? Whoever won the contest received a role in this jazz opera. I won performing a gospel tune and could not even do the show because I had a conflict. I was in another show at the same time. And the folks at the Pittsburgh Opera Theater were livid because they really were rooting for someone who had an opera uh, background to win the competition. So that's how I got started. Yeah, but yeah. I have a lot of respect for them. So it wasn't this trained operatic voice that was uh, winning this competition you sang? Which gospel song did you sing? It was, what did I sing? Seems so long ago. You wowed them. Oh, I, I wowed the judges, but it was, uh, I don't know, it might have been... I don't know, it was, it wasn't this, but Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. Something like that. Why, why don't you do more opera? Why don't you do more opera? You are too kind. No, seriously. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Oh, I heard applause. Yeah, that, Where pistachio, did that come from? That's the pistachio gallery. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's my seriously. favorite nuts, pistachios, indeed. Yeah, the versatility to be able to do opera is a whole nother thing. It is. It's an altogether different discipline, and it almost conflicts with uh, folks who do standardized theater. How be- so? Explain because that. they sing their words, right? I was on stage with an actor, and for some reason, I just went to that bright light. I forgot where I was on stage. And I'm looking for this uh, partner of mine to to give me something to bring me back. And he's looking at me like, oh, no. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not helping you. Right. I'm not helping you. And I, I said something to him, and he responded, and I was able to get back on track. Now, when I got off stage, I asked somebody, how long was I out? They said, not long at all, but it seemed like an eternity. Right, right. It seemed like forever. But they don't respect what we do with the spoken word. I respect their vocals. Right. But they sing everything. They do a magnificent job. They do a wonderful job. Now, how do you remember your lines? I, I go by a process of I'll sit down at a table and I'll read the um, script mm-hmm. and then I'll read what the person says to me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll read my dialogue and I'll continue to read it until it's in me. Mm-hmm. And I won't move on any further until I'm able to repeat back mm. what's on that sheet. Mm. And it's, it's time consuming. I used to try to record mm-hmm. and listen 
and play it in the car while I'm driving right. or wherever. Right. So there's just all different kind of methods. But I find that for me, what works best is to sit down and just read it. Mm-hmm. And building a character, the author, the playwright will tell you things about the character. The characters in the play will tell you things about the character. Right. And then you decide, uh, without judging the character, things about them themselves. And um, you come up with the character, mm-hmm. and then the words will, will take you where you need to go as well. So, yeah, because you have to almost become that person. You have to. You need to be. And it can be somewhat dangerous. I, For me, it's, it's spiritual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're embodying right. somebody else, and you invite them in. And you become. You. I had a... Um, a teacher who said, I don't want to see you on the stage. It's going to be me physically, mm-hmm. but I don't want to see your mannerisms. I want to see something different. I want to see a different person. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're about. That's the art to create using your physical shell, but becoming somebody else. So, How, how much does your personal life pull into the characters that you represent well it, it depends we, we are a total accumulation of all our experiences exactly. so all of us have a toolbox that we can reach in there was one time doing a show and i wanted to emote i wanted to cry and i couldn't but dr lily her process is let the words take you there. And if you're honest and sincere with what you're saying mm. it'll take you there mm. and also too Think of a moment. Mm-hmm. Is there an experience you've had in life that creates that emotion in you mm-hmm. that will cause you to cry? Right. The, the death of one of my children mm-hmm. would devastate me or, or cause me to cry or right. uh, something happening to one of my grandchildren right. would cause that emotion to rise up and allow me to do that. So uh, matter of fact, Ron Himes in this show in rehearsal, there's a portion where it becomes really emotional for me. Mm-hmm. And he said to me at the rehearsal, the note is you can't lose it because I was so caught up. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not boo-hooing, right. but I'm, I'm choked up. I'm with emotion. And he said, you can't lose it. But it was so real to me. And my scene partner was giving me this energy, Arnold, and it was just, it, it was amazing to get that kind of feeling wow. on stage. I hope that we can deliver for you when you're there as well. And that must be a real gas for all of the performers to be able to have that kind of energy and synergy. A synergy, where exactly. Where you're really pulling back and forth and... Exactly. It, it can be equated to like a tennis match, you know, yeah. you serve and pow, pow, pow. I'm giving you that same kind of, you know, energy. And when it needs to be pulled back and knowing when to pull back. Mm-hmm. I mean, life, uh, art imitates life. And Absolutely. You, you see, like, like we're doing right now, you know, we're being very conversational. It's an interview, but you want to have that same kind of just ease on stage. that right. it's, it's believable. Right. So... It has to be realistic. It has to be realistic, or they're going to walk away not believing a thing you did. And one of the worst things is watching somebody act. Sitting in the audience and watching them act, you want to see them be. You know, you, you want to see them be that character. You don't want to see them acting as that character. I got that. That's, I'm the worst person to go to see a play because I'm looking at the direction. I'm looking at the costume. I'm looking at the lighting. I'm looking at all. <laughs> I can't concentrate on the story because I'm looking at all the other things. But uh, 
Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so you have also been to Grahamstown, South Africa, which is uh, Makanda, South yeah, Africa. Cause South Africa, yes. And you performed there? Did two shows, the Mahalia Jackson story oh, wow. and the Billie Holiday story Ooh. in, in Grahamstown. I was there for three weeks. And while there, our first stop was in Cape Town, okay. and then we went to a Soweto, and then to Grahamstown, Durban, or Johannesburg, Pretoria, and then back to the States. But I'll tell you, Arnold, South Africa has the same kind of history similar to America with Correct. apartheid, right. Jim Crow, and the same kind of confusion that exists among the ethnicities. But it's so beautiful. Mm. It is, uh, the sky just seems so close to the ground. And if you can just reach up and grab a star, being corny, I wow. know, but I can live there. It's so beautiful, and I can't wait to go back. So how'd you get over there in, the, in that grouping that you Well, the University of Pittsburgh okay. was invited over to do uh, two musicals, when okay. they selected to do two musicals. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Vernal Lilly, who is the artistic director, what well, was, she's now deceased, God mm -hmm. rest her soul, asked me to be a part of it. Wow. I wasn't going to miss that. Absolutely and, not. And uh, went to South Africa. And I've also, two years ago, was at the Fringe Festival in Scotland with Miss Julie, Clarissa, and John, a young man from Pittsburgh. It's wrote that it's an adaptation of August Strindberg's Miss Julie. Okay. And we performed that over in Scotland at the Fringe Festival, which was quite an experience as well. Now, you've yeah. done some film also. Yeah. How, well, how is that different from theater? In theater... You've got to project. You've got to hit that last row in the back of the theater or up in the balcony. Right. It's much bigger. It's larger. Film is much smaller because the camera can come in mm -hmm. and, and, and get everything in your face. I was fortunate. Uh, I did background work with uh, Concussion, Will Smith's uh, film. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, mm -hmm. and also with Fences, and I also did background work with Rustin. It's produced by Barack and uh, Michelle Obama. Okay, and then I I did a feature, uh, independent film uh, called Rehabilitation of the Hill, and it was produced by the University of Pittsburgh, and it deals with uh, gentrification of the Hill District, mm -hmm. and it had some stars in it, mm -hmm. and I had a. a pretty beefy role in that one mm -hmm. my goal is to do a major film and have a few lines that's all and i'll be happy i'll be happy <laughs> just just let me do a major film with some lines you know indeed most actors frown on background work but hey describe a background work background or extras okay you know you, you see them floating around right you probably don't pay any attention to them and when my family went to the movies to see Fences, and I knew what scene I was in, and when it came up, we're in the public theater, I'm like, there I am right there, there I am right there. And everybody turned around, looked at us, and they clapped, but okay, now be quiet. Sometimes they call them models, okay. but they're acts extras. They pay you not a lot of money, they feed you well, right. and you get an opportunity to network, is which is very important too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So I, why do you think that August Wilson's plays have been so widely received and so welcomed? Well, it generates employment, first of all, right. uh, for black actors. Number two, for 
uh, mature actors. He writes about mature people. Mm -hmm. He writes about common people. Troy is a garbage man. Uh, Becker is a, a, a jitney driver. He doesn't write from a uh, protagonistic, antagonistic point of view. He writes about people who are scarred and who make mistakes and are trying to better themselves. When you, in your introduction, I kind of cringe when you say starring because it's it's a great ensemble piece and I don't want to put a mark on my back that it's not about me. Right, it, right. It's, it's about, and, and, and if I can, real quickly, this cast is wonderful. Absolutely. Robert Mitchell, Alex J, Edward Hill, Rick, Rich Harris, Richard Harris, excuse me, Philip Dixon, Elijah Juan Davis, J. Samuel Davis, and Ron Himes all appear. And each one of those characters are so important for the whole collective of that piece. Take any one of those people out of the mix, you have a different kind of story. But it's a great ensemble piece. It's my first time performing, as you said, here in St. Louis. It's been extremely kind to me. Good. There have been times when I, I miss my own bed and other things, the comforts of your own home. Right. But I'm not laying out in the street somewhere. It's been very, very nice. I thought the weather was going to be a lot warmer initially. When I first got here, Easter Sunday, yeah. it was cold and rainy and overclouded uh, for a lot of days. But now, today, yesterday, whoo. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, Warm. And, nice and toasty. Yeah, and, and, and humid. Yeah, and humid, yeah. indeed, yeah. But your question was, why are August Wilson's play, plays so popular? I think they speak of realness. Mm -hmm. They're genuine pieces. Mm -hmm. They're very relatable. Mm -hmm. People think that August, and he does, he writes from a black perspective, mm -hmm. but it's also from a humanistic perspective. Everybody can relate to father-son issues, marital issues, mm -hmm. money issues, love issues, um, trying to better themselves, spiritual things. And he writes from, from that canvas. And I think everybody can relate to that. He also was a firm lover of the blues and jazz mm. and how the African was able to take European instruments and turn them right. into something totally different. And jazz is an African-American art form. Right, right. And so he speaks to that as well. He was very much influenced by Romare Bearden, okay. and who influenced him as well. Okay. So, Did they, and they knew each other? They knew each other. Okay, Exactly. Artist Romare Bearden. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I think his pieces are so relatable, hmm. no matter what level of life that you happen to occupy at any given time so i think that's the importance or why people are drawn to his to his you work think a lot of his plays are his life oh based based on his experiences mm -hmm. yeah no it doubt. reminds me a little bit of tennessee williams okay and okay. how a lot of his plays are about his life mm -hmm. and it seems very for lack of better words realistic yeah rather yeah. than I don't want to say this in a bad way about other playwrights, fake mm -hmm. or something imagined right? Uh, because I'm not discounting their talent and their skill set and their gift that they do when they play right. But mm -hmm. when, when people are drawing from within themselves about their own personal experiences, sometimes it's just too real mm -hmm. and it's able to touch you and, 
and impact you in a different way. Most definitely. And I think particularly with August, most playwrights will write about what they know. Right, right. So that's what he did. He wrote about what he knew and he wrote uh, a play about each decade of the 20th century. So as he moved through that period of time, he wrote about the people that he encountered. His mother, African-American, his father, Mr. Kittle, was a German. Mm-hmm. I think it was Charlie Rose who asked him, how do you want to be remembered? And he said, as an African-American. And Charlie Rose said, but your father's white. He said, yeah, his father was really absent in his life. All his sensibilities, all the people who loved him, were black people, mm. and that's what he writes about. That's that's what he knows. Mm-hmm. He writes from a, a, an experienced point of view. Now you've done seven of his ten. Seven is is your goal to complete? My goal is to complete the cycle. Okay. Yeah, I have not done Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, or Two Trains Running. Do you have a a favorite of the ones that you have performed in? My favorite character is Gabe in Fences. Okay. I love Gabriel, and he was one of the characters that I did a lot of research on because he had taken a wound to his head, Mm. and I talked to a nurse about what are some of the movements, what would someone who had been shot in the head, how would they move, what are some of the little things, and I had August's uh, sister who told me that she loved my Gabriel. I, I, I loved him. I loved Troy, too, but Troy was a lot of work. He's... In every scene, he never stops talking, and you got tons and tons of dialogue to to learn. And August writes; he's a poet, mm-hmm. so he'll put words in there. For example, there's a line where um, you'll come one day to find out that there's not much more, or I can't hardly, I can't hardly uh, understand why. He puts things in there, and if you don't put them in. It changes the whole content right. of what you're saying, but it, it's the flow, and it sounds odd in your mouth sometimes, but it's a Pittsburgh way of speaking right. that he's captured, and he really, he wrote it that way for a reason. Right. He wants you to say it that way, right. but yeah, he's a very interesting guy, very, very interesting fellow. Now, I, I always ask this question of artists or Actors, actresses, musicians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anybody involved with the arts? Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for budding young actors or actresses? And you can just really lay it out here. Okay, that's very interesting that you asked me that question because we just started a program through the Community Empowerment Association in Pittsburgh, and we because August Wilson always said that. Theater for black people is as important as air is to breathe. Mm. We need to be able to tell our stories from our own perspective. Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. we leave it up to someone else, they're going to tell it differently. He also didn't want uh, white directors to direct his pieces because it's a cultural thing. You have Jewish directors who will direct Jewish pieces because culturally they're more in tune. But as a budding actor, I suggest that you get some training, see as many plays as you can, be around that environment, okay? Mm-hmm. And once you get the training, try to you know get involved in many plays. Audition, mm-hmm. audition, audition, audition. And you're gonna get told no probably more than you told yes. Mm-hmm. It's happened to me so many times that I go in for a part and they'll tell me uh, we're going to go in a different direction. You don't look 
like what we want. Mm -hmm. Auditioned for uh, Liesl Tommy. She directed Respect with Jennifer Hudson. Mm -hmm. And when I walked into the room, she told me she didn't know what she was looking for until I walked in. Mm. Now, I knew that from taking a class that tried to learn as much about that character. They'll give you sides. Mm -hmm. And the character I was playing was a man who worked on a farm. He's a, what do you call it, when you put shoes on a horse? Oh, you're a farrier. Okay, thank you. I'm a farrier. So I walked in there with a tight shirt on and a handkerchief in my pocket as if I could put a shoe on a horse. And I read, I had committed it to memory and they said, we'll call, we'll call you. Well, no, they had me going to another room and I'm sitting in there. Okay, well, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And got the role. But just prepare yourself. Stay prepared. See as much theater as you can. Learn as much as you can. And stay excited. It's, it's, I always say, and this may sound sexist, that theater is like a jealous woman. It wants all your time. I, I, I will do a show. The house doesn't get clean, dirty clothes everywhere because you're so focused on creating right. that everything else is a second. You must secondary. be very exhausted after a performance or when the show run is over. Yeah. I've had few shows where I'm like, I'm so sad this is over, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and this show in particular, there's one scene that I am soaking wet mm. when I leave that stage. Mm. Um Act one, scene four. I'm like, you could just take me and ring me up, yeah, man. Yeah. But it's emotionally draining to you. It's emotionally draining. But and you have to prepare yourself mentally for it. My scene partner, it's 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 wonderful. I, this has been a highlight for me in St. Louis with Jitney and with these casts of, of folks that I've been blessed to be able to work with. And the crew, this young man right here, who will be understudy, and I'll have a chance to grace the stage with him Sunday. He's so, pointing to Brian, who's uh, off microphone right now. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, it's been a great experience. We have had the pleasure of talking about August Wilson's Jitney, which is being performed at the Edison Theater by the Black Rep. That's at Wash U. And it is being performed right now through May the 29th. Go to theblackrep.org. I believe it's theblackrep.org. And you can get some tickets there. Kevin Brown is performing as Becker. And he is one of the ensemble there yes. at uh, this particular performance. And, Kevin, we greatly appreciate you coming in to Arnold, the show. thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun. I, I love your insights and love your perspective on your craft. Thank you. And, and how you approach it and how you've endured. Uh, many times, I would say, in spite of... Because you mentioned you get yeses and nos. Mm -hmm. And the nos, after a while, make you probably, I'm just presuming right now, mm -hmm. make you think, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Right, right. But when you get the yeses, it energizes yes, you. Yes, and I had a teacher who told me, the nos, flip that around, and you become on. Then you get on. Don't take it as a no. Get on. Get on it. What do I need to do the next time I go in to make them say, yes, we want you? What is it about me that I'm I'm not given 
what is it about my personality? But if it's my color, my size, my height, then I, I you know, I'm COVID, okay? And I'm sticking to it. Pandemic pounds. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> exactly. You're sticking to the pounds? Or? Well, I'm, I'm hopefully going to lose it, man. But I, Me too. I oh, walk past the mirror and say, who let this fat guy in my house? I had to get a different shirt. Oh, oh man. But yeah, turn that no into on. There you go. And, and go for it, man. And you are enough. Don't ever tell yourself that you're not. You just didn't fit that, that, that role. That's all. But there's something around the corner for you. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. And I love your hat uh, game and also your interviewing technique and style. Thank you, sir. Indeed. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Very easy to talk to. You know, it goes back to our return to civility. Practice hope. Yeah. Even if you don't believe in hope, you may eventually trick yourself into being a hopeful person. Yes. Life is about perspective. Indeed. It's about relationships. And I know his plays are about relationships. Exactly. Exactly. So get to see Jitney, folks, the Black Rep production at the Edison Theater at Wash U. From now until May the 29th, you'll see our guest, Kevin Brown, as one of the ensemble members there. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.